welcome to episode one yeah of patterns of human behavior it's our first episode of a new podcast yeah we should make a bunch of disclaimers <laughs> disclaimer time oh wait we should Sorry probably introduce ourselves oh yeah sure we should do that yeah you go ahead please i'm ariel rodriguez uh i'm an engineer i'm a martial artist uh, i play games of all kinds i read comics I read all kinds of stuff. I'm into learning, really into learning new things. But I am by no means, other than in electrical engineering and, and martial arts, an expert of any kind. <laughs> so, yeah, I'll just start. That'll be my intro disclaimer, and we'll have others, but that's me. Cool, <laughs> cool. All right. And, um, and then there's me. Uh, so I have, I go by a lot of different names, pronunciations of my names. Let me, let me start from start from the ethnically correct to the absolutely incorrect but I go by all of these and then I'll tell you what I decide on all right so the ethnic the correct ethnic pronunciation of my name is Shantanu there's variations of that I've heard Shantanu and then there is a little modernized uh, version of Shantanu, and then there's Santanu, and then all the way at the other end of the spectrum, there's two of these, Santanyu, <laughs> and then yes, and then there's Santanyu, 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 and Santanyu, Santanyu. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the, the people from Muhammad. Santan me, Santanyu. So yes, the people from Muhammad, <laughs> Illinois tended to call me Santanyu, and the people from Champaign-Urbana, Illinois, called me Santanyu. So, what I will go by is Santanyu. That's, that's a good middle <laughs> ground. And uh, yeah, I, uh, I, very similar to Ariel, I, in the aspect of martial arts, I, I do martial arts, been doing it for a long time. I practice and teach it, Kung Fu and Gracie Jiu Jitsu and Tai Chi. Um, and uh, and I have you know my degrees in psychology and education and um, yeah also lifelong learner you know and uh, always always seeking searching introspecting pontificating on things um, definitely not an expert just a person with a lot of opinions <laughs> you know and. And uh, yeah, so on this note of disclaimers, like you may know us from some organizations. <laughs> yeah. What we want to say is that this podcast has absolutely no affiliation to any of it. Yeah, we're just representing ourselves here, not associated with any other organization of any kind. Nope. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's this is this is our opinions. And and not the opinions of any anything that we're affiliated with. Right on. This is just straight up Ariel and Santanu's conversations that we typically have on Thursday nights, but you get to hear them. You know. Yeah, and I think kind of getting a little bit at what the point of the show is, real quick here, is that even though we're not experts, we've talked about how we're not experts in some of these areas that we're going to be talking about. Yeah. But we do love to learn, and we like to bounce ideas off each other mm -hmm. as we kind of learn about things individually and then we kind of 
come together to share those ideas. Yeah. I think this this podcast is about that. It's kind of us taking, like you said, those conversations that we have, sharing them with a little bit wider audience, maybe getting some feedback from that audience eventually, but um, kind of putting our thoughts out loud Mm -hmm. (laughs) and to the internet. Yeah. (laughs) In a way. I I think it's... Try to figure stuff out. Absolutely. And if, if you're on board... Either a on board with what we're talking about and like it, cool. You know, we're kind of finding finding our tribe, as they call it these days. Uh, or you know, you just find what we're saying interesting, and you just like to listen in, and you're like, yeah, it's kind of interesting. Uh, that, that's cool too. And if you absolutely disagree and hate us, well, just shut it off, and you don't <laughs> need to do a single thing more unless you do want to send us hate mail, I guess. Yeah. You know. I don't know. Some people like to hate listen on podcasts. That's true. They hate and they listen anyway. Hey, you know, to each their own. Just, that you know. that is a human behavior pattern, yeah. isn't it? <laughs> yeah, we can talk about that in a future episode. Absolutely. Yeah. Jeez. We'll, we'll try to keep it positive. Yeah. Ourselves. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. Absolutely. We're yeah. Yeah. We're, we're gonna put positive energy out there in the world. Good idea, Ariel. I like that <laughs> because it's so easy to just go down a rabbit hole and just be like that. And you know what? When we're talking about patterns of beha- human behavior, I mean. A lot of the times when we address things, it's it's because there's some things that are kind of problematic, you know. Yeah. You know, and um, or or just things that it's Im- kind of kind of important to think about, or at least at least give some credence to. I don't know. Um, so this podcast will go all over the place. You know, um, we're not going to have a specific theme necessarily like a specific topic you may have heard other podcasts we've done in the past where we had a topic and then we just riffed on that topic yeah we might float from thing to thing to thing here you know um and we might get into you know fair warning we might get into politics and stuff and so yeah. our, our political biases will show and um and you know hey you know if you don't agree with our politics that's all good yeah, you know just, totally just okay. you know it's, it's all fine we're not you know we're not trying to necessarily convince anybody. We're just putting our thoughts out there. Yeah. You know, and so. I think that, well, you know, since a lot of people that might be listening to us don't know us and don't hang out while we're talking because it's just you and me usually. Yeah, absolutely. Um, this, um, I, I think it, it, I guess the way, what I want to say bluntly is we're pretty judgment-free mm. when we talk about stuff. Mm-hmm. We, we theorize a lot. Yeah, we come up with conclusions, mm-hmm. but it's it's not like if you have a view that's opposite ours, we're judging you for that. Yeah, we're yeah. like again about that negativity. We're not gonna yeah. gonna sit here and, and and pour that out. We're just gonna roll with ideas and kind of mm-hmm. try to try to have a positive overall yeah conversation and, about things. And one of the things that uh, that you and I I think we're very open about is. We're we're willing to change our perspective or shift our perspective on yeah. something if uh, if it makes sense to us if yeah. if it if it resonates and and finds a logical place in our scheme you know yeah for sure because we've we've changed our perspective on on a variety of things you know yeah. um, but um, but anyway so so I think. That covers our disclaimers. Yeah, language. Do you want to say oh yeah, that? language. We might cuss. <laughs> so um, yeah, yeah it, this this is for adults only. Hopefully, you'll have seen that. You know, when we yeah. posted that, there's mature content, yeah. adult language. Um, so so sometimes to emphasize something, we 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 might just have to fucking say some <laughs> bad words. You know. Yeah. <laughs> so so. Yeah. So fair warning. Yep, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Don't judge us, all right? Yeah, you yeah. know, it's just language, right? Yeah, sure. <laughs> so, um, 
So anyway, well, yeah, let's let's, let's get to it. Let's dive in. So we were talking about media, yes, and consumption. You had made an interesting point, um, whenever this was Monday or something when we were last talking, uh, about how in the past, before the modern, let's just take music for a second, mm -hmm. the modern before the modern era, the current day, um, there were certain record companies and record executives. And, and producers that ran those companies, mm -hmm. limited number of those, yeah. and they were picking the music that goes on record and goes on the radio, right? And kind of determining what people listen to. That's right. So if you wanted to broaden your horizons, unless you're picking up mixtapes and going to all kinds of live music, mm -hmm. you know, to kind of broaden your 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 musical tastes, mm -hmm. you're really just restricted to what was in the record store and it was on the radio. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And nowadays. It's a little different in that the record labels, they're still around, they absolutely have business prominence still, don't get me wrong, but right. it's a different, the landscape's very different. Mm -hmm. It's very broad. Yeah. People discover music in different ways now. Right, right. And, and trying to keep your mind open is both easier and more difficult. Mm -hmm. I think we were kind of getting along both paths. Yeah, and and that's what, that's what I grew up with in, growing up in the 80s and the 90s, you know, even in the 2000s a little bit, you know, I mean, it was still in the early, yeah, two, from 2000 to 2010, you know, you had, you had record companies and they would, they would sign the artists and then put them out and then you'd, you know, you'd see them on MTV, hear them on the radio and, 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 and you'd go into the stores and they'd have displays of yeah. like the new Whitney Houston album or whatever, <laughs> <Yeah>. you know? <laughs> and, and so, so it was, and so it was there in your face and, um, and they were make the, they were making the decisions of, Hey, this is a good artist. Let's develop this artist and put them out there. And while, you know, while certain artists might be like, you know, they're not exactly like cookie cutter, but we can project that people might like this if they just give it a chance. Yeah. So, so they made those kinds of decisions. And oh, yeah. because of that, you know, it's like, like let, let's just take an artist like David Bowie, for example. Mm -hmm. If David Bowie were up and coming today, I don't think he would get any traction. Man, I mean, he might have a small following. Small following, you but, know, but he would not rise to the heights yeah. that he did because people took a chance on him and said, this guy's good in his own unique way. Let's, let's, let's develop this concept. Yeah. And, and, of course, they work with the artists and all that sort of stuff, you know, but... but he was not a proven formula. No. Yeah. And everything now is based, seems like it's based on proven formulas. Yeah, I mean, it was to me, I don't, I guess it was, it's always been a business and it's always been about turning a profit, but right. somewhere in the last 20 to 25, maybe longer years, it's like gotten way further down mm -hmm. that path, maybe. I don't know if it's just the attitudes or like the, yeah. the, the goals have shifted somehow, but right. that experimentalism is no longer in the corporate sphere. Now, if you want experimental art of any kind, yeah. you, you, you go online, you go to the YouTubes, you go to right. Twitch, you go to maybe even Spotify or SoundCloud, right, these right, places right. Where, where more niche artists live, mm -hmm. um, even, even something like a, like a Tumblr mm -hmm. um, where, where you know, more visual folks right, live. Right. And that's where your 
you're gonna find stuff that's off the beaten path, but yeah. you have to work really hard yeah. in those services to find what you're looking for, because right. frankly, there's a lot of crap too. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of, oh, so much garbage out there. So much garbage that, you know, it, it just makes me not even, because I've, I've lived through several decades, it's like, well, you know what? I'm just gonna go back to the music of several decades ago, you know, and. Because you know it's good. Because I know it's good, <laughs> you know? And I don't have to, so you were talking about this concept, Ariel, which I thought was interesting, uh, curators. Yeah. Yeah, and you know, it's interesting because that's basically what these record labels and the producers that work for them mm -hmm. were. They were curators. They were the ones, you know, they have all these acts that, that try out or demo for them given, you know, they would leave their, their demo tape mm -hmm. or mm -hmm. record before that or a track mm -hmm. or whatever right, it was right, throughout right. the years. Yeah. And they would choose who was good and who was bad. And that worked. And then we had this democratization where like anybody could put their music out and you could find it. Mm. And that was like, you know, in the, the Napster, post-Napster kind of boom where the, all these services showed up and you could just put your stuff out there on the web. Yeah. And SoundCloud and those kinds of services. Right. But then it gets really hard to figure out what's good and what's bad because as you were just saying, a lot of stuff's crap. Right. So right. now you go, we're kind of coming full circle. You need, you, you need to find someone you trust. Right, right. That is going to tell you what's good and what's not. So mm -hmm. we kind of leave, some of that I think these days, like services like Spotify, leave it up to your friends. Mm -hmm. They'll create a playlist of music that they like. Yeah. And then you can share that playlist with right, your friends. Right. So your friends become part of the curation mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. factor. But there's also certain DJs, certain radio personalities, but not radio like on the radio airwaves, like on Apple radio, mm -hmm. like, a, you know, like the iTunes radio mm -hmm, and, mm -hmm. and certain people that you might follow on YouTube yeah. or something like that, they will tell you what they, what music they like, what's hot right now. Yeah, yeah, and so yeah. So the like, who gets to call the shots and what's popular yeah. is a very different mix of individuals. But the corporations, I think, are still getting involved. I was going to say that that's something that you'd mentioned is that that uh, there are those people, and then and then there's the uh, <laughs> corporate labels uh, who will send out their people and say, hey, be a curator. You know, yeah. we'll, we'll give you funding and an audience. Go build yeah. it, you know? Yeah, like, there's, uh, there's those kinds. There's <laughs> there's people that they call influencers that are popular, let's say a YouTube personality or something like that, mm -hmm. um, that may have started on their own mm -hmm. and built a, a following, mm -hmm. but then they get funding from these companies. Interesting. And they, they are, they're kind of paid to feature certain content yeah. and talk, you know, positively about it. Right. Maybe they'll disclose that. Mm -hmm. Maybe they won't. Mm -hmm. In some industries like video games, you're now on certain services like YouTube required to say whether it's you were sponsored by a particular company. But I'm not sure that holds for music, for example. Yeah, yeah. So what are the roles of, you know, how, how then, then as a consumer, how do you know that the curator or the influencer or the person that you're going to for advice on what to listen to, what to watch, what to play? Yeah. How do you know they're legit? <laughs> right, right. Yeah, well, yeah, and how, yeah, how how do you establish credibility? You know, yeah. I think that's you know, and especially if you're not funded from a company, but you're actually someone who you feel like you have good taste in music. How how do you become a curator? That's that's yeah. interesting. I think how how you become one without getting lucky mm -hmm. is at, at least on in you know, I, we're sort of straying into video, I'm sort of straying into video a little bit, but on, on the YouTube side, mm -hmm. um, is starting to become more formulaic, but mm -hmm. I think it's still, still trying to figure that out. And mm -hmm. how, do you, how, do you, how do you find, a, a, or if you're on the 
if you're trying to be a curator, how do you become trusted, mm-hmm. a trusted source? Right. I think we're still figuring that out too. I don't think we really have yeah. answers as a society. Yeah, I don't think so either. <laughs> Yet, I mean, honestly, we were, we were talking about this earlier today, Patreon, mm-hmm. a service where you basically, you, you take on people's donations as if they were patrons, like back in the mm-hmm. Renaissance days, you mm-hmm. have people that will, if, if you produce a work, they, they will pay you for it automatically. Right, right, right. It's kind of an online version of patronage. Yeah. Um, it's really great. And I think that is sort of an auth- lens authenticity. Mm-hmm. Like if you have a Patreon, yeah. you're kind of probably not getting paid by a company because why would you have both? Right, I mean, right. I'm sure you could, and maybe some people will try to do that as an air of, uh, yeah. <laughs> of authenticity to them, as right. an air of authenticity. But right. I think for the most part, people that have a Patreon aren't astroturfing their content. Right. You know, it's right. really actually legitimately it's produced legit by them content. and they're, they're, yeah. they're trying to yeah. do stuff. So I, th- I think that may be a component. Right, right. Yeah. But I don't know. I yeah. don't know how you do it. I don't either. I mean, yeah, it's 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 fascinating, you know, just thinking about how how media gets uh, gets uh, distributed, noticed, uh, you know, these days is it's such a it's it's such a weird landscape now because um, because of you know the old distribution models and methods have r- drastically changed. You know, for for bands and musicians, you know, once upon a time you could rely on selling your recorded music. Yeah, that I don't think really is much of anything anymore. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think you need to have recorded you, stuff you need available, it. but you it's not going to drive revenue. Right. It's I think not we're, a, right. we're back to you got to go to you got to play live. Got to play live. Yeah. Well, it's funny. Um, one of uh, it's interesting this uh, this really interesting character uh, who uh, who did some handiwork at our house. He's uh, he's uh, friends with um, uh, some. Some very popular band, and the name is escaping me now. Uh, not, n- n- no, yeah, New Order. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah, he's friends with New Order. Man, <laughs> that's random. Yeah, that's random. And <laughs> and he was telling me that yeah, um, New Order. I mean, they're still around doing stuff, but they can't rely on recorded music sales anymore. They they play shows. Yeah. That's how they make their money. Yeah. And I was like, man. If New Order has to play live, you know, to, <laughs> I was like, that's wild. So. You know, I kind of, part of me is kind of finds comfort in that, in that like, mm-hmm. you know, not to say that anybody who, who, who benefited so much from record sales in the decades upon decades upon decades that we've had mm-hmm. records, you know, 50s and 60s on yeah. and, and recorded music, but like, there's something kind of, I don't know, old school, like, blue collar American about like, no man, you're a band. Mm-hmm. You gotta work yeah. to like make the money. You gotta you gotta play live yeah. and like put on a good show, make yep. a good experience with people. Yep. And they pay you money for that experience and for your talents. Yeah. Versus I recorded my thing once, I never tour right. and play my record ten billion times yeah. and I'm gonna get rich and we'll see you guys later. Bye. Right. <laughs> right. That doesn't seem as cool. I mean I, and not that the band not that a lot of bands really did that, but like But people are looking to do that spectrum. because that's a, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And <laughs> you you hit upon a really awesome like it's a it's 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 the way things work now is people will purchase experiences over things now. Yeah. It seems like. Um, and that is exactly what the band is trying to do is, uh, well, not trying, but what the band has to do 
to sustain itself monetarily is have people pay for the experience of the band and versus like accumulation of its its content yeah because I, and I think part of it is when it was a physical tangible thing mm-hmm. and it, it, it at least back in the day when especially when it was records and stuff like that there's like a limited quantity of them and it's a it's a tangible thing that the value there's a value yeah. to and a novelty to being able to play something recorded right but over time as the technology got better and better and better a recording is cheap it's inexpensive it's literally not even a physical thing anymore mm-hmm. it's bits <laughs> right on your phone on right. the cloud yeah it's you can't even you cannot physically see your music collection mm-hmm. without a screen to to like convert the bits into meaningful information right so we went from this big black disc with this like huge clever cover art insert whatever yeah with this value associated with it and right. this novelty of being able to play at home you know, back in the day when recorded music was first kind of available, totally. to now it's like, no man, there's, it's a commodity. It's it's right. so cheap, it physically doesn't exist anymore. Right. Like, who buys CDs anymore? People buy vinyl because there's like something special about it, and vinyl is expensive because of that. Mm-hmm. But other than that, you're buying MP3s, you're buying, yeah. you know, high quality, you know, high bit rate audio, but it's like, it's cheap. It's a yeah. commodity. It doesn't doesn't yeah. have any value. Mm-hmm. Value, like you said, isn't that experience. Mm-hmm. So like the money, the, the the money, the value proposition shifts. Yeah, and it's like people complain. I don't know. I don't know why people complain when it's just it's been as this trend for so long. Maybe you just have to zoom out and be able to see it. But at least yeah. you know, I have the benefit of hindsight. <laughs> yeah, yeah. From where I'm sitting right now. But. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's it's definitely something that artists had to had to make an adjustment for too. I mean, um, you know, some uh, some artists, you know, they their skills and talents are more in the realm of production, you know, than than it is, you know, playing out live. Like um, like your, I mean, I don't know, but. Uh, and I'm sp- uh, and here's where my ignorance gets revealed, but like I never once really craved to see Brian Eno in concert. <laughs> okay, maybe others have, but to me that like the music that he made, it's like like his music was an experience. Like it's it's this ambient sound, and y- you know, um, I don't know if I could handle a live show of Brian Eno. <laughs> I mean no no offense to him at all I guess that is offending but but point is is I, I love listening to him you know as like with the lights out and like that that <laughs> yeah. kind of yeah. that kind of thing where I'm just chilling you know yeah. um, you don't want to fall asleep at the concert venue right or right <laughs> by accident yeah so it's like when you when you have music that is meant to be listened to but not necessarily performed yeah that's a weird place to be i yeah you, you make a good point like then then if if recordings are all that are, are where you know your best stuff how your best stuff is experienced mm-hmm. how do you how do you reconcile reconcile this? that how do you yeah. get, how do you how do you make a living yeah um yeah. that's a good question yeah. you know maybe you have to you know sell you know a, a special version of that that brings value back like um 
you know, most recordings are stereo, right? Like, mm -hmm. what if you sold like a 5.1, like a multi-channel surround sound version of your album mm -hmm. for ten dollars more? You know, mm -hmm. come up with some way. Yeah, of, yeah. Yeah, you really have to work hard to right. like come up with some way of you know, yeah. making a living if you if performing it isn't going to work. Be like some of those uh, uh, news articles, like interrupt it halfway through. Do you like what you're listening to? <laughs> if so, you know, just pay here and you can download yeah. the full thing. <laughs> yeah. It's like, man, that's tough. Yeah, that's tough. Yeah. I think making, creating anything right now is tough because it's never been easier to create something. Right. And so a lot of more people are getting in the game. Yeah. And like we were just talking about, it's just hard to find the good stuff. Yeah. And then even if you are good, breaking out. Yeah. Like, you know, making I, yourself available. I, yeah. How do you make it available? Like and like put yourself in front of people whose eyes are seeing yeah. so many things. So many things. All day. I mean, and at the end of the day, you want to build an audience first, I guess. That's that that's what seems to make sense is build an audience. And, you know, unless you got mad social media skills, I mean you, it seems like you'll have to perform. We have to do something to network people together to bring them yeah. out for you. You know, yeah. um, of course, in the world of social media, they say you know just continue to produce content. You know, share it among all your social networks and keep building it. And blah blah blah. You know, it's a yeah over time thing, I guess. But I don't know if we've ever seen like a true success story that way. Though. I have. I can't either. think of I one. I can't think of one. Where it started on social media and mm. it's it's entirely relied on like a band, a film, mm. their memes and things that go viral for mm -hmm. sure. Mm -hmm. I mean, don't get me wrong, that that exists, but it, it flames out real fast. Yeah, like Beyonce, you don't have a Beyonce yeah. that started their career by sharing stuff on social media mm -hmm. and like in, lived entirely in the social media space yeah. and created a network and became so popular. Everybody listens to their music or watches their movies or whatever mm -hmm. that didn't do something live in person or, or benefited their popularity from the pre-social media heavy yeah. days. Yeah, yeah. Somehow, I just can't think of one. I can't either. Um, what about the overlords <laughs> that that <laughs> that control all these mediums? Yeah, I mean, we were talking about YouTube. Yeah, like. Who is a competitor for YouTube that's meaningful? Because I think a lot of people can think of, oh, you've got uh, Vimeo and you have uh, Daily Motion in Europe and right, you have right, right. Uh, Yoku or whatever in China. Yeah, right, right. But nobody is as big yeah. or as influential yeah, as YouTube. Nobody comes close. <laughs> and I thought, I really thought that YouTube was gonna have its uh, like have a bunch of competitors eventually, and then it just kind of. Like, okay, well, you now you can choose your video thing of choice, and you can, but, I mean, there's a clear differentiation yeah. of YouTube's yeah. scale from yeah. others, you know, and they, you know, I guess, uh, I don't know if that had to do with partnering with Google or not, but... Um, I, for sure, Google had, Google buying YouTube before, when it was a startup, mm -hmm. when, that, when that happened, everybody thought Google was going to be burning money away yeah. forever, and they have completely turned that around. I mean, YouTube is so essential these days yeah. for all kinds of for educational purposes, mm -hmm. for distributing media, media, whether it's music, videos, you I name mean, it. They have a whole creator, content creator 
thing there, like like uh, ecosystem of how to create content, you know, so that and they have special algorithms that, uh, you know, it used to be like, you know, how many views you get or how many right. likes you get, you know, that that determines like if your video makes it to the top or whatever, you know, or yeah. generates revenue. Now it's on completely different algorithms. Yeah. I think now it's based on view time, how long yeah. people actually watch. Yeah, they're trying to track engagement somehow. And right. like people's whole careers like yeah. revolve around tracking that, those algorithm changes, making sure they get the views, making sure their ads get played and mm -hmm. the sponsorships come in. And yeah. like there's whole career, there's literally an economy around Right, YouTube content. Right, right. And then you have similar stuff on the music side with Spotify mm -hmm. and uh, you know Amazon and and uh, iTunes from Apple mm -hmm. on the buy your music, like the the buy your MP3s, buy your music, and and keep them stores right. are almost entirely controlled by yeah. Amazon and Apple and mostly right. Apple. Right. And then the streaming services mm -hmm. is mostly Spotify and Apple these days. Right. But Amazon has their own competing service too, uh -huh. and you'll, you know, there there are other people uh, trying to kind of wedge their way into the game. Like I don't know if you've heard of Title. Uh, I heard of Title Title Boxing uh, Company. <laughs> T I D A L, like the oh, Tides oh, I've title. seen that. Yeah, I have seen yeah, that. Yeah, Jay Z owns that company. Um, they're trying to make this, you know, very a little more hip hop centric. But I think they have music of all other genres. Um, they're trying to make a streaming service mm -hmm. out of this, but. It's really hard to compete with Spotify and Apple. It turns out, mm. and uh, you know, Spotify was one of the first that kind of clawed their way to the top, and they have all these contracts with the record companies. Mm -hmm. So now we're back to those folks again. Yeah, yeah. They still control the rights of the most popular content and the classic stuff. Yeah. So the service that gets the, the more the more of the content, more of the good content, wins. Yeah. And so Spotify right now controls a lot of that. Right. And a lot of these other companies, there was, there was one called RDO. There's mm -hmm. Pandora, which is still around. Yeah. SoundCloud, even a lot of these companies are trying to we're trying to pivot from this indie sort of creators market into a more a business model that was more profitable by having more popular songs. Yeah. But Spotify's just crushing these people. Yeah. And Apple's just crushing these guys. Yeah. Amazon. Right. Because they just don't have the scale. Right. And they right. can't cut the deals because they don't have the big business. So now you have right. the other overlords, the Amazons, the Apples, right, the multi-billion-dollar right. companies. Yeah, you know, controlling music and content because they have the money to throw around to make these deals. Yeah, that's true. Who's uh, and and Facebook? They don't like YouTube. They don't like YouTube because they're trying to do their own video play. Right. Yeah. So and then right. then in the world of video, there's that kind of stuff where right. Instagram and Facebook both they're both Facebook, but different services. Right, right. They're trying to control, you know, streaming video mm -hmm, <laughs> mm -hmm. and and how video content is played. Right. And that sort of thing. Yeah. 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 So right. there's a lot of overlords there too. I yeah. think you know, it's weird. It's like everything spreads out and gets democratized, and then it mm -hmm. consolidates back up into overlords. And right. Then, and right. some of those old overlords are still around, and then yeah, then I'm sure something other technology will spread it out again and it'll consolidate again <laughs> and and youtube will change its algorithm again <laughs> over, and over, over and over yeah over. so so you're talking about pattern you know you'll, yeah. you, you, that that's one thing you can expect is for things to just continue to change yeah you know and us having to keep adapting um in in the realm of video content or, or movies well one of the things we were talking about on monday the other day was um it was a lot easier for people to uh, rip audio content versus like albums 
and songs than it was movies. Yeah, back in the day. Back in the day. And I think that's, I think that's why we have a different um, economy and a different ecosystem for buying and whether you own or not the audio content, music content versus video content because back in the Napster days, mm -hmm. late 90s, early 2000s, mm -hmm. you know, internet speeds were fast enough and audio compression was good enough that with MP3 just kind of hitting the world yeah. that you, people could trade music really easily mm -hmm. online. And that took the rug right out from under the <laughs> recording companies. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and so the RIA took, took you know, had very, took, took years to kind of work their way through it. And I yeah. think, and they weren't, did not come out, you know, without any scars. Right. Oh and, yeah. And no, I think yeah. that's why music is a little more open right. than video is. Mm -hmm. And the internet's only now, you know, for the last several years been fast enough right. to allow easy transmission of video. And that's what we can stream video now and all that stuff. Right. But the video, the, the kind of movie, the, the, the picture, the, mo the movie studios, still have a lot more control over video mm -hmm. than the recording studios right, have right. over the audio yeah. music. Yeah, yeah. And so we just have very different behaviors right. when it comes to how we consume that media. Yeah. Like you, you get a digital copy of a movie, you don't own that digital copy. Right. You pay for a license to have that digital copy. Yeah. And anytime that that company wants, they can take that license away from you. Mm -hmm. And you don't have that movie anymore. Well, that that <laughs> became very clear on Netflix, for example. It's like yeah. it's like, "Hey, South Park is on Netflix." Yay. A month later, a year it's later. Like, <laughs> Where's South Park? Oh, man. No more South Park on Netflix. Yep. Yep. <laughs> and and I mean, even if you went to iTunes store mm -hmm. and you spent $10 on the South Park movie, if for whatever reason, mm. the people that own the rights to South Park movie said, nope, we need everybody to have not have that movie anymore, they would just remove it God. from your iPad or your, or your iPhone, and you would not have it again. And you spent $10 that maybe you enjoyed the movie a few times before they did that, but it's gone. Now, that's never been done yet. Okay. okay. But that Damocles sword is mm -hmm. always hanging over everyone's neck when it comes to digital video. And I wonder how much of that is given stock to the new generation coming up, you know, versus my generation and your generation, where, you know, we, we've gone through the periods of accumulating and yeah. holding on to things and valuing like, hey, I've got this album or I got this song, <coughs> I got this movie. You know, I have this. It's yours. I mean, this, this physical tape. Mm -hmm. Like, you have a physical VHS tape or a DVD, or you know, these days a Blu-ray. Yeah, that's yours. And then, the you know, teenagers today, for example, I don't know if they. I don't think they collect albums. I don't think so either. You know, I don't think they collect movies either. Yeah, and they don't collect albums digitally either. They're subscribing mm. to Spotify. Right, right, and they're watching Netflix. Yeah. And so they just keep paying monthly the monthly rate, and the library is what it is. And yeah, and if the movie that they like before is not there, well, we just kind of swipe right, I guess. Or Either that, or they'll switch services. Like I oh, think what what oh. people see is like, oh, Spotify. You know, if Spotify lost, I don't know, Drake and Kanye or something. Mm -hmm. Although Kanye's on title only, this whole thing. But oh, anyway, okay, let's just use an example. Like if they just lost a handful like half a dozen of the most popular artists mm -hmm. you bet all the people will just cancel their monthly subscription and move to the service that has them mm -hmm. um, so you know 
they're always under threat of that. Yeah. Because I think one thing that benefits the consumer and the younger generation is, yeah, at any moment they can just, oh, I cancel this subscription and I pick this one up. It's so easy. Right. You don't have to like, you know, you know, just kind of an exaggerated example, but like you don't need to fill out four carbon copies of your credit card number and right. do like the ksh-chung, ksh-chung yeah. type of thing and yeah. like, you know, fill out all this stuff and then mail it. Eight to six to eight weeks later, you yeah. know, you'll have your membership. No, no, man, it's instantaneous. Yeah. So I'll drop this this membership and I'll pick this one up. Yep. The stuff I want to watch is over here now. Yeah. And this, you know, this, then the companies have a hard time because you get this thrash of users. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's um, the business challenge for them to keep that up. But like yeah. that's now becoming the the way. Right. Right. You know, it's just a totally different way of. It cracks me up because I have, I have friends. Who have like terabytes of storage of crap that they've downloaded simply because they were on a hunt and they found it and they now it's theirs. Yeah. And they've devoted years to this collection and they have this this library. You know, it's just funny to me because now it's like now it's like that that doesn't matter anymore. Like yeah. your, your collection, you know, it's like, all right, you got a collection, when are you gonna watch it, you know? Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah, that's like you, thing. Yeah. you own it, that's great, but you know, I pay $10 a month and have access to it, and if I don't want access, well then, you know. And you don't have to carry around or have terabytes of hard drives lying around. Or... Right, and it's, and by the way, and it's available on multi-platforms everywhere. Yeah, and whatever phone you have, you can you can watch or listen to it, right? And if you change your phone, you just log out of this one on this phone and log in on this one, and yep. all this stuff follows you. It's very convenient. Yep, it's and, not uh, restricted on my hard drive yeah. of a billion ter, you know, all, yeah. you know. And uh, heaven forbid that stuff up. catches on fire or yeah. hard drives die or yeah. whatever. Yeah. Like the, co- the corporations are handling that for you. So there's yeah. this trade-off, right? Like your behavior's changed. Your the your the your act the way you your relationship with media and the way you access media has changed. You give mm-hmm. up control of being able to access it whenever you want. Right. It, it, theoretically, because you have to pay for to play, you have to mm-hmm. pay to access, and you're subject to these licensing deals where content goes away and disappears without you knowing. Right. But at the same time, you get these benefits of like, right. well, I don't have to haul around all this physical stuff. Right, right. Um, yeah. And, you know, housing's really expensive, and mm-hmm. millennials can't get a job, and so, <laughs> so it's very convenient to... Yeah have fewer physical things, mm-hmm. stream the stuff that's, you know, commodified anyway because recorded material with it now, especially where there's video or music, yeah. is cheap to get access to, 10 bucks a month or whatever it yeah, is. Yeah, yeah. And then you go chase experiences, right. like we were talking about earlier. Right, you know? yeah. You can go on vacation, you can go anywhere in the world and stream music. Right, But right. you can only see certain things in certain places at certain times. Right. And so, like, the whole value proposition of, like, how you entertain yourself just changes. Changes completely. Yeah. yeah. And I think we're not of the generation where we're still tethered to that. Like you were saying, right. like you have friends that have the stuff mm-hmm. and like we have our collections of stuff. I still buy Blu-ray. Mm-hmm. I, I do have a few digital movies and stuff, but like I still mm-hmm. need that tangible thing that I can mm-hmm. control. Mm-hmm. But I think, you know, like you were just talking about, younger generations, they're free yeah. of that burden, yeah. of that. Exper- they never had the experience of owning something. Right, so like it's right. Just not and and that's, that's not in there. The uh, whole concept of accumulation, I think, at least in that regard, is yeah. non-existent. Which I, you know, you use the word free. I think there, yeah, there's a certain freedom to that. 
whether it feels like that to them or not, I have no idea. Yeah, but. yeah. It's like, what, what does that even feel like to <laughs> you know? Like, I got bins and bins and bins and bins of, of CDs and DVDs <laughs> and VHSs, man. Like, just all in the attic. And I can't let go of them because yeah. I, I, accumul- I, cl- I went through a lot of work to, <laughs> yeah, to, to get, those, to get right? all yeah. that. So, yeah, it's 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 just a gap it's a divide you know mm-hmm. d- as technology moves forward this is one of those things i think where our behavior changes we adapt to mm-hmm. what's available yeah sure yeah but when you know nothing but that i think yeah. that's a whole other that's a change in behavior yeah i'm trying to wrap my mind around the psychology of that where yeah. i mean isn't the american dream based on accumulation in a sense yeah owning your the, the home and yeah all that stuff yeah but it's it's gonna change. I yeah. think it's gonna change. I mean, you have kids. I mean, mm-hmm. what's their? You know, they're they're probably too young to think about this right now. But right. like in a few years, when maybe when they're teenagers and they're more exposed to right. stuff like, what is their what is their dream gonna be? What is yeah. you know, is it gonna involve any you know possession of this kind of thing, or is it gonna be yeah this like pursuit of experiences? I was here on this day when this right. happened. Is that going to be the collection? See, I don't know. And maybe it's because, you know, we're raising our kids in an old school way. Like, you know, um, you know, my, you know, one of my kids is super into Legos, you know, Star Wars Legos specifically. So, uh, so he's into like, oh, I want the Death Star. I want the X-Wing. I want this. I want that. So, so that sounds like... Me growing up, <laughs> you know, and uh, but you know he's still young, so I I just wonder like when they become teenagers, like are you know do they do they boast about what they have? Because it used to be like you remember back in the days where people would literally kill themselves over kill each other over like Air Jordan sneakers and all that sort of stuff. <laughs> you, you know, it's like I mean, is it is it about that anymore? I, I just don't even know. I don't know. I guess we'll find out. We'll find out. They'll shape it yeah. as they as they live, as they grow and learn and adapt. And I was talking to uh, to a friend the other day, uh, and you know his son is sixteen, you know maybe even seventeen. Um, by the way, he was my he was one of my first kung fu students um, at age five. Wow. <laughs> and man and i asked him hey uh, is uh, is your son driving now he's like no he doesn't really he doesn't really care about it i'm like really i was like man when we were turning 16 is that like we couldn't wait that's a rite of passage like, yeah like, you know, you're, you're signaling that you're grown up yeah and he's like yeah he and his friends just don't care yeah it's like wow yeah. huh and someday i mean we're still probably several decades before this will happen really but you know, driving a human driving something is going to sound insane. Right. Like right. they're like, wait, people drove cars. Right. Self. How many accidents were there per year? That's insane. That's, yeah. It's like, yeah. why would you do that? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, we didn't know any other way. Self-driving you know, cars. self-driving cars will happen eventually. You can't stop it, and it's going right. to be safer. It's right. It's going to be a lot safer to the point where someday people will take it for granted, and right. they wonder why anybody did anything, anything else. Different. Although I don't know, man. What do you? I mean, that that now that's teetering into into the the p word. Like you know, it's like there's so many things we could be doing 
as far as progress goes, but certain people don't believe in certain types of progress. Yeah, yeah, I think science, uh, at least in the political field and the, and the, the populist route right now is pretty anti-science. Yeah. I think self-driving cars, unlike other more important things, like, although self-driving cars I think is important for safety, but that's a much longer play with a lot of, it's fraught with a lot of other issues and concerns and things we have to figure out yeah, and the rise of AI. You're talking about things like energy and the environment. And yeah, I'm talking about climate change and things yeah. like that that are more immediately important. Mm-hmm. Um, but with self-driving cars, there's a profit to be made. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's where that will survive. Right, right. As cynical as that is. No, but that's to, that, that is how, <laughs> you know, it has to have money behind it for anything to yeah. have any sort and of And there's going to be money fighting money because right. the... Uh, Self-driving cars are also more efficient. They're gonna and they're gonna be more. They're gonna be all electric. We're very close to all electric. Mm-hmm. So the oil companies are gonna hate it <laughs> unless they get into the into the game. Right. right. So there's gonna be money fighting money, mm-hmm. and it's gonna be an interesting kind of evolution of stuff over time because yeah. the car companies are starting to go all electric because there's there's value there. There's money. There's tax subsidies. There's right. drive sales. They, you look at Tesla and they're successful enough that I think it makes people like Ford and GM and those companies want to have an option. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think there's just that capitalism will make sure that that right. thrives. Right, right, right. And in, in other countries like China, for example, that's going a, a greener route all the time, more solar, more electric vehicles. I think they have a mandate like by 2025 or something that hmm. like every new vehicle has to be all electric or something like it's, wow. it's like insane like they're you know they have a th- more authoritarian government so they can yeah go, yeah go yeah. those routes and i think it's you know better for them environmentally regardless of the political situation there mm-hmm. you know it's 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 a good direction to go in but, mm-hmm. you know topic for another time but yeah yeah, uh, yeah but yeah but unfortunately other stuff like climate change and combating climate change yeah yeah not profitable right right <laughs> in fact yeah. the opposite in some yeah. sense yeah yeah and so you know we're going to lose i think uh some time at least until things change yeah politically. well not profitable for the old uh, old ways of, of being because they actually investing in wind solar and in what is yeah. it wind solar and anything you know geothermal yeah, uh, you yeah. name it uh, like nuclear there's there, a lot of options there's that wasn't it said that that would create so many jobs yeah. you know <laughs> you know, our illustrious uh, leader, uh, the 45th president of the U.S., uh, Trump. Cittolini. Uh, <laughs> sure, Cittolini is a new one. I like him. <laughs> uh, he, uh, he, well, he and, and a lot of the people that, that follow him may have a lot of rhetoric around saving the coal industry. Mm-hmm. The solar industry in the United States is already many times larger than the coal industry in the United States. Oh, is that right? I yes, that. it employs wow. more people than coal does. Wow! Like multiples of more people. And see, there. And, and, and it's being squashed. Like it's yeah. not. It's not really like we're not taking a hard turn in that direction because politically it's not viable. And it's already bigger, a bigger industry. Wow. So. Wow. I mean, how can you stop something like that if it keeps yeah. growing? You know? Yeah, I, I think just if government's not putting certain incentives in place. Yeah. The fossil fuel industry will still be there, I think, because there's a resource to consume, and it's the sunk cost fallacy of, well, we've been doing this for decades. Right, right. You know, hundreds of years in some sense. Mm-hmm. Why not keep doing it? So right. to, to remove that entrenchment, I think we need some sort of government mandate of some kind. Yeah. However politically, <laughs> you know, challenging that might be. Yeah. You know, otherwise we're not going to make the hard turn we need to make in time. Yeah. You know, there, there will be, you know. 
Well, I mean, this current administration is making it clear that they, they are anti-progress of any sort. You know, they, they, yeah. they, they're doing everything they can to try to return things back to old ways, you know. Yeah, there's this nostalgia for it that right. I get it because a lot of the, a lot of the people that are nostalgic for that and, and want that were, they, they, they were more politically powerful, they had more benefits, they mm -hmm. were on top in those, in those eras were, were, you know, that were the way that they wanted to be, you mm -hmm. know, 60 years ago or whatever. Yeah, yeah. But, and, and now there's different people who benefit from the current status quo and they mm -hmm. don't like that because it's not them. Right, right. Um, too bad, you know, yeah. <laughs> I would say, I yeah. think we would all say that, you know, yeah. progress is progress and yeah. we yeah. still have a lot of problems for a lot of different people and mm -hmm. we're trying to, try to solve it all together instead right. of, and regress but hey yeah yeah there's definitely a like a I feel a sense of regression you know member berries coming out I mean you know South Park um, <laughs> yeah uh, I, and I I wonder I wonder just how powerful the the profit and the industry of of energy and, and self-driving cars and all that sort of stuff how you know, if it's a if it's a tidal wave that they they can't stop, you know, I wonder uh, how long it will take for that. Like if we had like if we had super progressive leadership, it would come very not like a snap, but it would it would make its way. I'm a gu I'm guessing sooner than than later. Uh, yeah, you know, maybe maybe not. Some hmm. some I do think that there may like some some super progressive stuff may. Hinder some development too, although it's it's dirty. It's a dirty situation mm. whenever you're trying to develop something new, and mm -hmm. it's kind of the wild west. Yeah. Like, you want to have certain legal protections in place to make sure self-driving cars aren't just like running people over in the middle of the street. <laughs> but you can you can add so many laws that like the yeah. companies can't make progress because they're too restricted right. too. And and so I, I'm not trying to sound too right wing here or anything like that. No, but no, 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 but no. I, I think there is there is something to be said about mm -hmm. you don't want to you don't want to lean too much in the other direction and like crush development because Absolutely. you're legislating you're putting too many rules around it either. Things have to be phased in. Yeah. So you got to bound the problem appropriately, yeah. but let them ex experiment and discover. Right. Um, yeah. Maybe don't put them on the roads. You know, or yeah. in a big city right away. Right. right. But you know, kind of. Like you said, phase it in. I think mm -hmm. another way that self-driving technology will phase in mm -hmm. is you're starting to see it in luxury cars where they, a lot of luxury cars now will, will parallel park themselves. I don't know if you've seen this stuff in mm -hmm. commercials. I don't really watch commercials anymore. I don't, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't really have, I don't have cable. Yeah, I yeah. have Netflix. Yeah, I, don't, yeah. I don't watch TV with commercials, but like I've seen a commercial every now and then like an airport or, or mm -hmm. if, if I'm traveling for work at a gym or whatever. Mm -hmm. you, you take your Mercedes or your Lexus, you park it ahead of the parking the parallel parking space mm -hmm. you you hold the brake you push the parallel park button I think and I've seen this, the yeah. car will just drive itself yeah, into, yeah, the, yeah, yeah. into the spot right, right. and then you just park it and you're good right um, that's self-driving but mm -hmm. in a very constrained right situation right mm -hmm. there are other features too now where like it'll detect the car will detect when you're veering into the next lane and mm -hmm. we'll Put you back in your lane. Oh wow! And so that's self-driving, but in a, but it, it's all like assisting you. Uh -huh. It's driver these, these sophisticated uh, okay. driver assistance features. I see. But yeah, okay. So close the gap from parallel parking for you and making sure you're in the same lane to 
driving for driving straight on the highway, like cruise control, right. more sophisticated cruise control. Right. You're just you're just self-driving. Right. And then right. eventually over time, they have all these assistant features, mm -hmm. and then you're barely touching the wheel anymore. Right. And right. And then you right. just finally get yeah. in and make the final. You know, the, the leap instead of across the river is like yeah. across the crack in the sidewalk. Right. Okay, we're there. Yeah. We're, we're self-driving. Yeah, yeah. Phase, phasing it in. Yeah. And the Lexuses and the Mercedes have this now. Mm -hmm. Your Ford Tauruses and your Toyota Corollas will have it in five to ten years mm -hmm. as the technology is cheaper yeah. and easier to manufacture and more reliable. Mm -hmm. It just, it'll filter down to the cheaper cars. Right, right. And then you'll have, like the backup cameras, like you know, stuff mm -hmm, where like mm -hmm, it mm -hmm. beeps when you get too close yep, to stuff. Yep. That's a driver assist that mm -hmm. there's a software program figuring out how you, when you're too close wow. and telling you about it. Mm -hmm. And eventually it won't just tell you about it, it'll push the brake for you. And yeah. then now you're automating that. So right. like you know, little things like this, yes, you yeah. know, over time, yeah. I think that's another way, like you said, of phasing in. Yeah, yeah. That will happen. It's interesting how you have to do things like that in order to not just disrupt and upend the whole thing and, yep. and then cause more problems. Yeah, and I think things for that are essential are harder to disrupt. Yeah. Um, and we could probably do a whole other episode about this, but like, yeah. you know, like the iPhone was really disruptive and it mm. happened kind of all at once, like mm -hmm. it changed the landscape, yeah. but nobody needed a cell phone. Right. Like cell phones were barely a necessity mm -hmm. when it hit, like right. smartphones, like internet on your phone. Right. Like people had flip phones and those were like really starting to take off. Yeah. That tech was like more ubiquitous and cheaper, mm -hmm. starting to get cheap, but you really didn't need it. Right. Really. Right. So when the iPhone hit, it just, it had all these features and it just like completely disrupted stuff. It wasn't essential, mm -hmm. but like try to disrupt cars or try to disrupt <laughs> Distribution of water, right. or you right, know, right. those are essential things. Much harder to right. like right. add AI or the internet to, and like right. be cool with it. You know, yeah. like smart meters, for example, have taken years and years and years. Like, be, you know, having an energy meter that like tells the power guy how much power you're using without him having to walk over and look at the spinning disc. Right. Like, that's still taking forever to like, adopt. Yeah, that, that technology is like a decade old, at least, yeah. if not more, maybe yeah. two or three. Right. So. You know, essentials are harder to disrupt, I would say. Right. That's my theory. Right. Just theory. Yeah, yeah. It sounds right. Sounds good. Sounds good. Oh man. So uh so yeah, I mean I mean these these things that are constantly shifting uh shifting our way of uh of interacting and interacting with technology and, and using that as either communication or just daily living, uh you know they're constantly shifting and changing, and we have to continuously adapt. And and we're setting new precedents, I suppose. You know, in terms of how we how we make sense of all of it. You know. Yeah, it, it it's it's a work in progress. I yeah. guess. It, I guess it always it's always been. Yeah. Knows, maybe. Yeah. Well, maybe we should end there. All right. Sounds good. So, uh, I think we should say the date. Okay. On these. Sure. Because, I mean, this is where we're at. What is today? Today is July 27th, 2017. 27th, 2017. All right. So, uh, yeah, this is episode one of Patterns of Human Behavior. We'll catch you on the next one. Peace.